forgot to have you stand, but anyway. <laughs> That's okay, because I'm not going to ask you to stand because we're going to look at a few verses here before we uh, break it up and minister in the name of the Lord for this. So, But if you do have your Bibles, I ask you to turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9. And while you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and give you the title of our message tonight. It's called Independence Day. I almost called it Happy Birthday. And I'll tell you why in a second. But it is entitled Independence Day. Thank you, Lord. Matter of fact, let's stand as we honor God at the reading of His Word. We're just going to read nine verses so, to start off with. <laughs> then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. We ask, God, that you would just show us what it is you would have us to see and to know from it. And, Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Independence Day. Or, as I said, I was thinking about calling it Happy Birthday. And the reason for that is this. I wanted to ask each and every one of us, before I get into the preaching of the word too far, I want to ask, do you remember the month, day, and year that you got saved? The month, day, and year. Very few do. Matter of fact, I, don't, I didn't remember until I looked it up. And what I mean by that is this. I had a little bit of a, of a hint as to where to look because I knew it was the year 1985 and I knew it was right before the, end, the Labor Day. And that's the first Monday of the month in September. And so I knew it was right about that time frame. So I looked it up on Wikipedia and I found out that I was saved on August the 30th, 1985. And I want to try to remember that from here on out. I tell you, it made a difference in my life that night. I'm going to give you a quick testimony, run through again. I was with a friend of mine. We were out partying and stuff, and we were going to this, we went to this bowling alley. They called Bronco Bowl in Dallas, Texas. Anyway, we were there, and we got to partying, and all I had for the whole night was two draft beer out of a pitcher of beer. That's all I had. He drank most everything else of it. 
And anyways, we decided to go into the, get in the car and drive me around to my car, and we were going to go out to another place. But in the meanwhile, the security guard stopped us because he was driving erratically. So anyways, he tries to run from the security guard. The security guard chases us, catches us, holds us for the police to get there. And then they, they are going to, they try to, he tries, my best friend at the time, Don Moody, decided to try to pin the rap on me. He tried to convince the cops I had been the one driving the car. So we both got out on the same side of the vehicle. And they tried, and the security guard said, no, I know it was that guy, the one that you're handcuffing right now. And they were handcuffing Don. And so anyway, they went ahead and handcuffed him and told him his rights and stuff, you know. And then they asked me, how many beers do you, have you had? And I said, two. And they said, that's the universal answer. So we're arresting you for public intoxication. So I said, okay. So anyways, we get down to the Blue Stair Jail, and they put me in this holding cell while they're booking him for a DWI. And so in the meanwhile, the Lord begins dealing with me in that holding cell, and I'm the only one in it. And I'm looking around, and I don't see anybody or anything, and I'm all depressed now because my best friend tried to throw me under the bus, and so I was looking at the ground, and all of a sudden I hear this whisper. Rock. Robert. I'm not sure. I don't remember sure which. I think it was Robert. Because that's my name, Robert. Anyways, I looked up. I didn't see anybody. I wondered if somebody had been put in while I wasn't looking. So anyways, I didn't see anybody. So I looked down again at the floor. And then all of a sudden, a minute or two later, a little bit more insistent this time, that voice again, Robert. I looked up again, looked around. And just as I was about to look at the floor again, all of a sudden, it was like a very loud shout. And I jumped up, and I looked straight up, and I said, oh, it's you. And I and the Lord was one dealing with me. And he began to tell me to come home. And I started saying, God, you can't want me. Look at all these things I've done. Look at all these sin, sins that I've committed. And I began telling God all the sins I'd committed. And all of a sudden, he said, he just said, come on home. And every time I would say, but God, and start trying to list sins, he just kept saying, come on home. And finally, it got to the point, all I could get out was, but God, and God said, are you coming home tonight or not? This is your last chance. That's exactly what God said to me. And so that night, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I said, okay, Lord, if you get me out of this with just public intoxication, I'll give my heart back to you. And I know it sounds like I was trying to make a deal with God, but you can't make deals with God. God knew my heart. He knew what I was trying to get across. And so anyways, that's all that I had gotten charged with was in public intoxication. And from that night on, I began serving God in, with my life. August the 30th, 1985. And I haven't been the same since, praise God. And I'm here to tell you tonight, folks, that I'm sure if I asked for other testimonies tonight, you would have maybe similar ones to mine. Maybe you're like my wife. She was saved when she was, I think, 11 years old. She hadn't been out and committing big-time sins and everything in her life. She had been following after God as best she knew how to do at her age. And all of a sudden, she gets saved when she's 11 years old, and she... Never sold any wild oats. She never went down the wrong path or anything to that effect. She always stayed with God from that day on. And so, therefore, she's got a different testimony than me. 
But we all may have similar or different testimonies. One, of the, one has one, one has another, but the point is, is that you have what you might call a spiritual birthday. In other words, you have a time when Jesus came into your heart and came into your life and he set you free from the power of sin over your life. Praise God. And that's what I want to talk to us to about a little bit tonight. Is that number one, he had, Paul had his, or actually Saul, his name was Saul at the time, he had his encounter with God, or with Lord Jesus Christ, on the way to Damascus. And it says he gets blinded and, and everything. Where's my book? There we go. It says, Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. In other words, it had affected him so much that it made his eyesight, he made, made him go blind, in other words. For some reason, God chose to allow him to be blinded for three days. Now, I don't know why that happened. He didn't do that to me. He didn't make me blind for three days, praise God. But what I'm saying is, is that he... Uh, had a, from a, this point on, his life begins to be different. And it says in verse number 10 here, it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Now he's given Ananias a direct order. That's from the Holy Spirit to this man, Ananias. And he tells him to go and pray for this man and so that he'll receive his sight once again. Well, this has Ananias concerned, and for good reason. It says here in verse number 13, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. In other words, sounds like he's about to try to make excuse not to go and talk to Paul, I mean Saul, and pray for him. But you know what? God's about to answer that in the very next verse. But in the meanwhile, we looked at those last two verses, and he's saying that up to now, this man Saul has been a thorn in your side, God. How can you even want to do something with this man? How, can, how is he going to change? Because look at what he's done. Look at all the problems he's caused you. Look at what, it, what he has taken people and put them in prison. He's even tried to kill some people for serving you, Lord. Anyways, verse number 15 goes on. It says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things that he must suffer for my name's sake. That word, for verse number 13, I've got a note in my thing here, says, Ananias was understandably reluctant about God's command, but the message was clear. 
that he must go. Verse 16 says, How many things that he must suffer, the call to ministry is bittersweet. It says that Paul describes the ministry in 2 Corinthians 7, no, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 12. I'm going to take just a moment and read that to us this evening. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse number 7, says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side and not crushed. We are perplexed. That word means baffled or puzzled, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life is in you. In other words, for Paul, at this point in 2 Corinthians, he's turned to being Paul. And at this point, he's uh, saying that it's hard to do to be in the ministry. But I'm, I'm doing it, even though I know at any minute I could face martyrdom. In other words, he could be killed for the cause of Christ. And it could happen at any moment. And he knew that. But because of that, because of his love being so great for his fellow man, he wanted to see them come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because him, God's greatest adversary, other than the devil at one time, which was Paul, Saul, he, he was such an adversary against God by doing what he did to try to destroy the church. But anyways, and now he is such a great adversary, I mean, uh, uh, a great person trying to help build the kingdom of God. In other words, his, his whole life turned upside down and inside out on that road to Damascus. And that's what I'm trying to say tonight is this, that you have been given power over the devil and his demons of hell. And you have been given a new life in Christ Jesus. You are no longer the same person or the same individual before you became known, before you became a Christian. You're no longer that same individual. You've, you're changed. From glory to glory, from faith to faith, your whole life has become changed. You have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise God. So happy birthday <laughs> and happy Independence Day. Because when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you received something that you didn't have before, and that was power to overcome sin in your life. Hallelujah. And then it tells us, then it tells us in verse 17, and Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul 
spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. In other words, he, he spent time in the fellowship of other believers. And these gentlemen, I believe, it doesn't say that they did, but I believe they were instrumental by God to help him become a stronger Christian. In other words, they, he, they, God used these disciples to disciple Saul. And that's what we need to understand is, once a person becomes a Christian, that's just the starting step. That's just the beginning of everything. We need, we, if we think, okay, now they're a Christian, now they can live their life for Jesus and have a hunky-dory time and everything, praise God, hallelujah, guess what? That's when their trouble just starts. And we're going to have to walk with them. And they're going to have to be seen by us as what they are. And that is a babe in Christ. In other words, they're, they're going to need people like you and I to walk with them on a daily basis to, to mirror for them and to reflect for them the life of Jesus himself. In other words, when they look at us, they have to see a person who loves, a person who forgives, a person who prays, a person who is full of joy, a person who is full of peace. In other words, all of these things that Christ himself is, we have become those things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is in that relationship that we have with that new born-again believer in Jesus Christ that we begin to help to disciple them and to grow them in the things of God. Amen. And then we need to understand that that was what he was just about to do was to embark on that new life in Christ. And it was in that time that, that they were he was being discipled by these guys that all of a sudden he began to preach the gospel himself. In verse number 20, it says, Immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. That word preached means to tell abroad and to herald, to publish, to propagate. Publicly proclaim, exhort, call out with a clear voice, communicate, and preach. The herald is to give a public announcement of an official message and to issue whatever demands the message entails. The Christian herald is to proclaim the message of salvation through Jesus Christ and issue a summons to repent and receive forgiveness of sins. And that's what Paul did. That's exactly what Paul did. He went about preaching the, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This same guy that had tried to destroy the church had taken prisoners and put them in prison for believing in Jesus and for following after his way. That he, had, he was that same individual, and yet here it is, it says that he began to preach for Jesus Christ, not against him. And that word goad is for goad that I've talked about. It said hard to kick against the goad. The goad is a stick. In other words, it was a stick that you used to prod along the team of oxen that you were dealing with. And then some people say that that was actually a reference and an inference to the fact that before Paul even actually got saved, that his heart began to get pricked. In other words, he was already being dealt with by the Lord to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior before he actually even did so. Well, that's what we're talking about tonight, folks, 
is that he began to live a holy, whole and holy different life. Praise God. Then in verse 21 it says, Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Paul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. You know, in that day and time, you had to put your life on the line for what you believed in concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. You had to decide whether that message, whether that belief in Jesus was strong enough to keep you on that straight and narrow pathway and be willing to proclaim that narrow and straight pathway to those that needed to hear the gospel message. You had to make that decision. And that's what Paul was willing to do. Paul, he, he was Saul, but he becomes Paul a little bit later, as you'll find out if you continue to read in the New Testament from that day on. He eventually becomes Paul, and when he does, he's considered to be one of the greatest missionaries that has ever lived. You know, Billy Graham is also considered to be one of the greatest evangelists and missionaries who's ever lived. And I tell you what, it's because he proclaimed the message. It's because he wasn't shy about talking about the Lord. It was because he was willing to put everything on the line if he had to in order to tell other people about the good news of the gospel of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm here tonight to tell you is this, folks. That you have a happy birthday because you are born again in Christ Jesus. You accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And that gave you a spiritual birthday. Mine August 30th, 1985. Don't know what y'all's are, but I hope you remember them. If not, maybe you can find out when it is, whatever the case might be. But all I know is this, is that we are born again in Christ Jesus. And because of that, we have an Independence Day. And that Independence Day is the fact that we got power back. Power to say no to sin and temptation. Power to say no to the devil. Power to overcome the tricks and the, and the deceit and the deception of the enemy, praise God. And you know what? It's not just the devil that's after you. It's his demons. You know, the devil is not omnipresent. That means that he can't be everywhere at one time like Jesus can be. He can only be at one place at one particular time. And that means that if he's out dealing with so-and-so, he can't be dealing with me. That means that if somebody's dealing with me, it's probably going to be one of his demons. And it may be a very powerful demon, but I still have power over that thing. I still have power over every demonic force that ever comes against me. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's about finances. It doesn't matter if it's physical, spiritual, mental, emotional. It doesn't matter what it is. I have power over it, praise God. And I'm going to use that power. And it's going to be in the name of Jesus. Because I don't have any merit outside of Jesus Christ to deal with demons. That's why whenever the, the apostles were left, the apostles were left by Jesus when he went to heaven. He, had, he left them the Spirit of God. 
And the reason he did that was because he knew they were going to need that Holy Spirit in order to do the same things that he used to do when he was here on the face of this earth. Whether it was casting out demons, whether it was raising the dead, whether it was healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind, getting people, lame people to walk, whatever the case might be, he knew that it was going to take the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome those infirmities and problems, and they were going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit for the miracles that were going to be needed in order to prove the gospel to be who Jesus said it would be. And that's what I'm trying to get across to us today, is this. It saddens me. It really does. When we have people that have problems in the church, whether it's physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, financial, whatever it is, if when people of the church have problems that we can't see an instantaneous release and miracle in that situation. I don't know if it's because we don't have the faith for it. I don't know if it's because it's not time for it yet. Because there was a man by the name, well, the, the guy's never been given a name, but it's in the book of Acts, chapter 3, and John and Peter are about to go into the temple, and the, blind, the lame man is outside the gate at the gate beautiful. He had been for many, 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 many times and days and years. And here it is. You have to understand that in all this time, I'm sure that Peter and John had encountered this man before. But for whatever reason, it was never until that particular day in Acts chapter 3 that Peter says, look at me. And he does. And he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee, rise up and walk. And he does. And you see what I'm trying to get at is this. Maybe it's just not the time yet. But whatever the case might be, I'm looking forward to the day. You hear me again? I'm looking forward to the day when that's going to start happening. When we're going to pray for people that are blind and eyes are going to be opened. When we're going to pray for those that are, that are lame and see them begin to walk. Like we did one time when I was at, at uh, LaGrange. There was a, a service we had and this woman was in a wheelchair. And all of a sudden, the Lord, I was preaching along like a man on fire. And all of a sudden, God said, stop and go pray for her. I said, all right, I will. So I stopped. And I told the church what I was about to do. And I went and I prayed for her. I turned around to start walking away. All of a sudden, I hear these gasps coming behind me. And I turned around and that woman was up out of the wheelchair starting to walk. You see, things like that still do happen. They still do happen. But we've got to pray, pray them in and believe for them. And, and, and I just want to encourage us not to give up on things and not to let the, the fact that we've got small crowds right now dishearten us. Don't let it dishearten you. Because this isn't how it's going to stay. This, this We're on the breakthrough, the verge of breakthrough. I believe that with all the fibers of my being. I believe we're right there at it, and it's just a matter of time now. And when the time is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm excited about it. I don't know about you, but I see it in my spirit. I see it in my spirit's eye. With my spirit's eye, I see it by faith. 
that these things are going to start taking place. And, and, and I'm just in, encouraging you to, to bear along with me and, and, and pray and believe along with me and, and just expect it. When we come into the house of God together, let's expect God to do something. If we don't want him to do anything, he won't. If we just come in the house of the Lord to sit down and listen to the pastor preach and just decide it's just, okay, it was a good message, I guess, to a certain extent. But anyways, I'll just get up and I'll go out of here and I'll be the same as I was when I first came in. We can't have that mentality, folks. Our mentality has to be things are going to change. And we're going to see those things change. And believe those things are going to change. And expect those things to change in the name of the Lord. I'm here to tell you tonight, folks, that Paul's life got turned upside down on the road to Damascus. And he's ne he never was the same since. And the same thing with me in the hell holy cell at Blue Spirit Jail System. That same night that I got arrested for my fourth time. And I wasn't even guilty of what I was being charged with that night. That was the night Jesus came into my heart and made such a drastic difference. And I've never been the same since. You've never been the same since. You've never wanted, at least I hope and pray, you've never wanted to go back to your former life. And if you are wanting to, just pray and ask God to give you strength to overcome that feeling. And he will. Praise God. But I know and believe that you're following the Lord Jesus Christ at this time right now. And God will honor our faith. He'll honor our prayers. He'll honor our life. And we'll be able to resist the devil when those temptations to sin come up and arise. We can say, no devil, get out of here. I'm done with you. And he'll leave. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says if I will submit to God and resist the devil, he will flee from me. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you would just help us to take to heart this message tonight, Father. Let it not fall on deaf ears, but, Lord, let it fall on expectant hearts and, and desiring hearts and, and hearts that have a desire to, to serve you better, Lord. Father, we just ask, dear, dear God, that you would just change us and, and help us, Lord, to have an Independence Day in our life and a happy birthday as well, Father. Even if we never know what the day was, we thank you that it did happen and we're now born again in Christ Jesus and that our names are written in the Lamb for Lord. And we thank you and we praise you for it all. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I tell you what, this has been a good service tonight. At least I believe it has been. I believe that God spoke, and I believe that we have listened, and I believe we're going to see some differences and changes taking place in the days ahead. Let's just keep praying and believing for them. Amen? Amen. Amen. At this time, we're going to be dismissed, and I'm going to ask Brother Lawrence, will you dismiss us in prayer tonight? Yes, sir, I will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to remember the word that Pastor Lud preached to us, Father, Lord. And help us, Lord, um, be with us, Lord, on the job, wherever we're at, Father, Lord. May the Holy Spirit go with us, Father, and guide us through, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Yes. We ask
fellowship. We love you. You can consider yourselves dismissed.